couple quick things to clear up. I was having a little fun last week when I said that fully devoted followers of Jesus don't care where they park. And I still mean it. And Tia Bailey, my good friend, zinged me on Twitter. And he says, yeah, easy for the guy who has the parking spot right out front of the church. And I was like, well played, Tia. Well played. You notice he's not here this morning. <laughs> he's actually traveling, serving, doing concerts all this weekend. Uh, we're getting signs made up. So on Sunday morning, we'll turn my spot and Gala's spot into handicap parking on Sundays. Okay? So we'll park in the... You know, in the, out in the bushes with the rest of everyone else. Also, uh, and I don't care. I really don't. And uh, I finally got my little fun car that I've been whining about since I was nine years old. Just want to let you know. It's a 2004. Uh, so it's 10 years old. It's a Florida car. It's got 80,000 miles. It's really bright. And you, I'm not hard to find because the license plate says PT. So uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, all right? So I just want to let you know about that. Thanks. Ten of you were like, yeah, all right, I don't know, you're crazy. All right, Um, the first three weeks of this series, we were in the Old Testament looking at some epic comebacks. We talked about Joseph, and he... His life hits a couple of major potholes, and he comes back to be Vice Pharaoh Deluxe, and he restores his broken relationship with his family. Uh, we talked about Moses. Moses kills a guy and goes into hiding, and then God gives him his burning bush uh, call to come back, and Moses leads his people out of slavery and across the Red Sea without a boat. And then we talked about David. David has a moral failure, and God shows him that grace is like water. It flows to the lowest point. And God gives David this uh, phenomenal comeback. And now we can draw a direct line of lineage from from David to Jesus Christ. Today we're going to jump to the New Testament and look at Jesus restoring Peter, giving him a phenomenal comeback. And then next Sunday, uh, one service, what time? You got it. One service, we are going to blow the roof off of this place, and we're going to talk about the greatest comeback in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Next week is going to be electric, and uh, it's just, I can hardly, going to hardly wait. So we're going to get to Peter's comeback, uh, but we need, before we get to his comeback, we need to see, you know, what was going on, what caused Peter to come to Christ in the first place, it's in John's gospel, and there's something here that is going to, to just jump out at us. Something that could literally change this church, and I, and I mean that. There's something here this morning that could literally change this church. It could change this community. It could change all of the Maritimes. It could change your life. It could change the lives of thousands of people, and I, and I honestly, seriously believe that with, with everything that is in me. There's something preloaded into God's Word in the Bible right from the very beginning, right from Genesis, and it's consistent with the entire story right through uh, the whole New Testament, right through the calling of the first disciples, the ministry of Jesus, the formation of the church, this very same church that we're a part of today. And that one thing that's going to jump out at us is the power of an invitation. The power of an invitation. God is an invitational God. He invites us to follow him. Like if you, if you stand to, 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 to say, you know, today's the day that I've decided to follow Jesus like we just finished singing, then you're, you're, you're responding to an invitation from God. No, it's not my invitation, 
right? You're responding to, to God's voice, to God's spirit, to God's stirring in your life, calling you, drawing you to, to respond to his invitation. He is an invitational God. He invites us to follow him. He invites us to believe in him. He invites us to accept his offer of grace and forgiveness. He's an invitational God, and he calls us, you and me, he calls us to be to model the invitational life by inviting others to come and see and follow Jesus too. You are here because of an invite, right? Just, just back your truck up far enough and think, okay, how did I get here? Either someone invited you or, or someone invited someone in your family or you were, you were drawn by, by God's presence that God reached out and he, he invited you to come closer. And the thought that, that a neighbor or a co-worker or a friend or a family member or an acquaintance could be one invite away from Jesus Christ. That thought, it, it fuels me and it motivates me and, and it burdens me and it weighs on me all at the same time. We are one invite away from revival in this church. Let me explain that. Which, by the way, actually, let me finish that. Then I'll explain that. We're one invite away from revival in this church, which I believe has the potential to spark revival in the whole Northeast. I believe that. I believe that 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 that, that could happen. Okay. And what I mean by that is that if every one of us, <laughs> whenever I say that, I just... I got, I got spotlights in my eyes, and I wish I could have the whites of your eyes. <laughs> and I could say, look, every single one of us, all you all, if every single one of us really got a holy discontent about this, and we started to see people the way that Jesus sees people, and we went out to invite one person, if everyone did that, we would see a breakthrough for Jesus Christ like we've never, ever seen before. And, and realize you're, you're not just inviting someone to church or to an experience or into community. You're inviting someone into an environment where they can meet Jesus Christ face-to-face and have their life changed for eternity. That's what you're inviting people into. Okay, so let's get at it. It's, uh, we're going to read the beginning of the book of John, and we're going to read the end of the book of John, but we're not going to read everything in between. And so we're going to begin in uh, John chapter 1, the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Hold the horse till I get on. That's how I learned it. And we're going to pick it up in verse 35. And what we're reading is how Peter, how he came to follow Jesus in, in the first place, and then we're going to catch up to it a little later and look at his comeback. So the following day, John, this John, just John writing about John. Is that confusing? No? You're, you're okay? The following day, John, that's John the Baptist, not John who was writing. John the Baptist was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there's the Lamb of God. He, he's pointing people towards Jesus. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. 
It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decides to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, Come and follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replies. And as they approached Jesus, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Uh, have I ran out of text here? Come and see for yourself. Yeah, I think I was supposed to stop reading, but it was so good I just kept going. Okay, we're going to end it right there. So here we see in this text, in John chapter 1, in these verses that we read, the intentional, invitational rhythm of go and tell, come and see. The intentional, invitational rhythm of go and tell and come and see. And that rhythm that intention, those, those invites should, should jump out at us like a one-two punch, bam, biff, like, the, like from the boxing gloves that are on our graphic right here. They should jump out at us like these two things coming right off the screen and just, just boom, boom. It should just pop right out at us. This is the way that God is building his church. This is the way that Jesus formed his team. This is not a, a catchy marketing strategy or an attendance drive to just put seats on seats. This is the very mission of God. And if you don't think it applies to you, you're not paying attention. If you just think, well, you know, there are other people who are better at that than me. Or there are people who just find that easy. Or there are people who, who it just comes natural to. And they're chatty and they're friendly and they're perky and they're, they annoy me and they're happy all the time. And they just, you know, if, if you think that somehow you get, a, you get a pass on this or you get a skip on this, you're not paying attention. This is God's plan for each one of us to be intentional, invitational. Found people, find people. That's always been God's plan. Found people, find people. Now, I'm thankful for the work that we're doing in the Congo and the work that we're doing in Haiti and hopefully before too long, the work that we'll be doing in Cuba. But we've got work to do in the next cubicle. We've got work to do in Tim Hortons. We've got people to reach. God knows Tim Hortons drinkers need Jesus. We've got, there's people to reach all around us everywhere. All right, verse, let's look at part of verse 36. Parent alert, Jada, did we get that? That might have been. You want to stay there or you want to go on to the next slide? Everybody see the parent alert? All right. Well, just making sure. It's like, no, we don't need a parent alert. I want my text. Forget the kid. The kid's all right. I know that's what you're thinking. Okay. Verse 36, John's, John's, you know, kind of, he's retelling the story. He remembers this. He can picture it in his head. And he says, as Jesus walked by. Notice the, the proximity of Jesus and the boldness to point out the obvious. 
As Jesus walks by, and the boldness to point, point that out, Jesus is always closer than we think in our daily lives, in our daily conversations. And God gives us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to simply, you know, help someone understand and see that, that uh, how close Jesus really is. You don't have to be an evangelist to do this. You don't have to have the, the spiritual gift of evangelism to just pick up on the God-given opportunities to invite someone to come. They, they happen in our conversations all the time, and we miss these, these, these great opportunities. Now, from time to time, uh, we will invest in something a little over the top to make it that much easier for you to invite. We're, we're, we're big on the invite. The invite is in our uh, vision statement. We are people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. And so from time to time, we'll come up with these, you know, like a big day, like next Sunday, and we'll go over and above. And where are they going to find someone crazy enough to get in the dunk tank in October? Ask me. I'm, I'm, hey, if it brings someone to Jesus, I'm happy to, to get in a dunk tank. That's, that's, I'll do that. That's no problem. And from time to time, we'll go over and, and above. And we see these things as, as fun. Uh, we want to do stuff that's a little, little unexpected and highly invitational. And the boarding pass invite, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about at the end of the service, and the WestJet tickets are an example of that. And that's something we don't do that all the time. We might never do that again. We might only do it once a year or something like that. But our motive behind that is to give you something that you can, that you can easily talk about. And someone says, well, I, you know, anybody talking about a trip? You can, you can start that conversation just by saying, are you going anywhere this year? You going south this winter? Boom. There's your conversation. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Well, actually, our church is doing this, this thing where they've got this boarding pass. Here's one right here. See, it's just Jesus walks by. It's, it's the proximity. It's the boldness. It's, it's really not that hard to engage someone in a conversation where you can, where you can do that. Um, so the, the, the flights, it's just something fun. We didn't spend money on a guest speaker. We didn't buy billboards all over the city. We didn't do direct mail marketing all over the city. Uh, that's what we went with. And so that's the heart behind the idea. Let's look at verse 37. Verse 37. Let's bring that up on the screen. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. It's not about how many people you have. Catch this carefully here. It's not about how many people you have. It's about how many people you have following Jesus. Whether you have two followers like John or 2,000 like we'll have here next Sunday, it doesn't matter a hill of coffee beans if we're not leading people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And the reason behind the crowd is so that we can all crowd in around Jesus and take a bigger crowd to heaven. That's why we want a crowd. And we kind of think that's, that's important around here. When the church stops inviting, we start dying. The day that we stop being an invitational church, the day that we stop inviting others to come and, and hear and follow and experience Jesus Christ, when the church stops inviting, we start dying. But John points to Jesus. John says, there he is. There he goes. There he is, right there. 
And two people ask Jesus where he's going, and Jesus invites them to come and see. One of them was Andrew. He goes to tell his brother Simon, who became Peter. He invites him to come and see. Jesus goes to Galilee and finds Philip and invites him to come and see. Philip goes to find Nathan and tells him about Jesus. Nathan has questions, not a problem. That's great. Bring your questions. We all have questions. Seekers wanted. Even though he has questions, Philip encourages him to come and see for himself. And Nathan becomes a follower of Jesus. Do you see a pattern here? Is God trying to tell us something? Be intentional, invitational, because found people find people. That's always been God's plan. So now we're going to take a massive jump. We're going to go from John chapter 1 to John chapter 21. And I can't, I can't, you know, obviously fill in all the blanks that just happened here in the last 21 chapters. Um, but this is now when we pick the story up again, when we find Peter again, this is after the crucifixion, after the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus reappears to Peter, Thomas, Nathan, and a few other disciples who are out fishing. And Peter is out in a, in a he's out, I'll say it very, very Canadian, he's out in a boat. Peter's out in a boat. He's out and about. And um, he's about 100 yards from the shore. And someone shouts to him, hey, Peter, it's Jesus. And boom, right out of the, he's out of the boat, gone. Just like that, 100 yards from shore. He is in the water chasing after Jesus. And he immediately jumps up, makes his comeback to Jesus. Now, an important part of Peter's story, um, in between... John chapter 1 and John 21. An important part of his story and understanding why he dives out of the boat to make this this massive comeback to Jesus is from uh, John chapter 18. It's where Peter denied ever knowing Jesus, where he denies ever being with Jesus. Even though, you know, just try to, you know, think this through a little bit. Even though Peter had been with Jesus from the very beginning, Even though Peter had a front row seat to the ministry and the life and the miracles of Jesus Christ, when Jesus was arrested and the crowds were were shouting, crucify him, they turned into a a raging mob. In In that moment, Peter crumbles in the pressure cooker of life and he denies that he ever knew Jesus. So when Peter jumps out of the boat in John chapter 21, this is not the first time that Peter had jumped out of a boat for Jesus. He's done this before. And he's anxious to make his comeback because he knows that Jesus will welcome him back. He knows that Jesus is not going to judge him. Jesus isn't going to just throw Peter's failures back in his face and where were you when I needed you and you traitor and all that stuff. He knows that Jesus isn't going to do that. Peter knows that in an instant that if God can breathe new life into the crucified body of Jesus Christ, then God can breathe new life of grace and forgiveness and mercy back into the life of Peter. Peter knows that if Jesus can come back from the dead, then Peter can come back from his denial. Even if he denied ever knowing Jesus, even if he turned his back on God and he lied to God and he lied to others, even if he could not take a stand for Jesus under pressure, he knows in his heart that God forgives, that God 
God restores, that God redeems, that God opens his arms to us. And he can't wait to get out of that boat and get on that beach and get face to face with Jesus again and have that relationship restored. And this morning, this morning, this might be for you. This might be exactly what you needed to hear today. That no matter where you've been, and no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, if God invites you to come back, you can just consider the chair to be your boat. And you can jump right out of your chair this morning and come back to Jesus Christ. Run back into the arms of Jesus. And all you will receive is grace and love and mercy and forgiveness and God will restore that relationship with you. Maybe you needed to hear that this morning. So John chapter 21 and three verses, 15, 16, and 17. After, uh, after breakfast, so they caught some fish, brought them to shore. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter, re- Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said a third time. He asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Peter had denied Jesus three times. Jesus questions Peter three times, possibly once for each denial, going over it again just to make sure that everything is right. In other words, if God wants to get into the the details of your life, and if he wants to surface things one at a time and say, let's deal with this, and then let's deal with this, and then let's deal with this, this, just, just let God do that. Just let him Uh, go where he needs to go and do what he needs to do in your life and don't hold anything back and uh, allow him to surface those things. The church, what's happening in the story is that the church is being built on, on inviting people to make a comeback in their own lives. Jesus is saying to, to Peter, he's building the church on Peter. And he says, Peter, I want you to love people. I want you to love others enough to give them second chances and third chances and fourth chances and don't judge people and, and just feed them and care for them and, and love them. Now, when you came in this morning, uh, you should have been handed a reserve sticker. Did you get one of those? Hold them up. You got them? Are you awake? Are you with me? Did you get them? Uh, okay, and ushers, do we have more of those at the back if we need to? If we need to be ready to, to give those to give those out. There's a spot on the reserve sticker for you to write in the name of the person you are going to invite to be with you next Sunday morning, one service at 11 o'clock. And we are going to fill every single seat in this place, okay, for the glory of God. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray that, that many, 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 many lives would be changed for eternity. That God would invite people to, to, to come back to him. That God would, would restore uh, that relationship 
with people. We're going to reserve every room in this seat this morning. Before you leave here today, every room, every seat in this room, every seat right up to the furthest corner of this place is going to be reserved. We're going to need some lights on the balcony, guys, before this is done. We believe that an empty seat is a serious matter. Don't you believe that, that the seats in this place were put here for people to find Jesus Christ as their Savior? Don't you believe that? What? Can we just applaud that? Don't applaud me, but can we just kind of rally around that a little bit and say, yeah, you know what? I do believe that. That's the reason we built this facility. That's the reason we purchased these nice, comfortable theater seats for you to sit in. That's the reason they're here. And so we believe that an empty seat is a serious matter. An empty seat represents someone in our community who could be hearing the life-changing message of Jesus. So go ahead and, and be filling those out while I, while I share here in the next few minutes. If you need more, if you want seven of them, raise your hand. The ushers will just walk around. They'll just give you seven of them, ten of them, twenty. doesn't matter. Just, just keep raising your hands. And make sure you get enough of those things. Get all of them that you want. And, uh, and, if and if you don't, don't have a name, if you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh, I've, well, I don't know, I don't know. Don't worry about that. That's okay. And not every sticker that we use this morning has to have a name on it. You can just put one on and say, Lord, I pray that, that you would put someone in this seat next week who needs to hear about you. So as you fill those out, I want you to know that I've been inviting. I want you to know that as, as the pastor, I've, I've been inviting. And whenever I see someone who used to come here, I invite them to come back. And people who I'm getting to know at Starbucks, I invite them to church. Uh, people around my neighborhood, anywhere that God gives me an opportunity. And I don't always tell them that I'm the pastor of the church. Because I, I like the look on their face when I walk up on the stage. It's kind of fun. Wait a minute. Um, I've been challenging our staff to be inviting. We want the kids and the children's ministry to be inviting all their friends. We want our teens to be exploding with growth because they just keep inviting. Uh, every ministry and every group that we have in this church needs to be intentional, invitational. And so in a, in a minute here, we're going to watch a video that is going to help drive this home. And just before we watch this, this video, I want to share with you uh, a vision that I've shared with our staff and I've shared with our board, but you've never heard it. You've never heard this before. And you're, you're, I'm going to share this with you, that we're going to watch a video, and then I'm going to come up and tell you what to do with, with, with the stickers. Here it is. I picture our church full of people, both services on Sunday mornings. I picture us offering a third service for people who can't make it Sunday morning. I picture at least 400 children here on Sunday mornings. I picture 300 teens to their midweek youth night. I picture entire families coming to Jesus and being baptized. I see us building a parking garage because our lot won't be big enough to hold the growth. I picture counseling ministries meeting needs to marriages, addictions, depression, and so many broken situations. I picture our church reaching out to our community and serving the community with love. I picture people of all ages going on missions trips, many answering a call to full-time missions or pastoral ministry work. I picture an online campus that reaches thousands of people each week. I picture a cafe and a bookstore in our lobby that serves as a gathering place for people, not just on Sunday, but every day of the week. I picture children's ministry environments that are better than any children's space of any kind in the entire country of Canada. 
I picture people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. I picture revival. So let's watch this video and then I'll be back up.